0: Introduce myself. My name is Ron. James Ron. is looking at you, kid. The force will be with you. Always. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're going to need a bigger boat. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Where shall I go? What shall I Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Roads? Where well, we're going, we don't need roads. Hello, welcome to the Backlot Review, an official part of the Backlot Podcast Network. I'm your host, Steven Saria, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Kegg. John,
1: you're you're joined by the main host, John Kegg, is what you have to say.
0: Oh my God, just say what's up, man. Just say what's up to everyone. Stop making a scene. So, sorry we're getting this podcast out a little late. Uh, John was out of town dealing with some stuff. Um, And he just got back in, so we're recording now. And our next episode will be released um earlier this upcoming week we'll let you guys know what that episode is at the end of this one um this episode is going to be a little different we're not really going to be talking about film news Um, there's
1: really not many news out right now anyways like all that's been released is like posters and crap like that
0: yeah posters so we're going to talk a, a little bit about stuff that i've been watching in particular that i know john has seen before that i kind of wanted to talk about um then we're going to talk about our top five which is completely unrelated to our movie of the week. <laughs> like 100% unrelated. Yeah, no
1: no correlation here at all.
0: Yeah. Um, and then we're going to talk about Hustlers, which uh, definitely a lot to talk about there. Um, so, John. Steven. This week, I've been watching a lot of um, the DC animated movies um i started watching some of the ones that i've seen before like some older ones like under the red hood and stuff like that and then i started watching the newer ones because i heard that the newer ones are like connected like they kind of make like their own universe
1: yeah yeah they make like their own little dc animated universe um within i I think they if i remember correctly like under the red hood was one of the first ones that started it no it's not it's not it's It's not? not Oh, okay no
0: under, okay, so basically, this like DC animated universe started in twenty fourteen with Justice League War. Um, Under the Red Hood came out in two thousand and ten, I think.
1: Oh, okay, never mind that.
0: Um, but basically, it started with Justice League War. Well, Justice then, you know, League have... War
1: is the one that that is the formation of the Justice League in the animated movies, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's when they all come together. Okay. Um, I think the second one which I haven't seen. I kind of saw them out of order. Um the second one was like The Throne of Atlantis, which introduces Aquaman. And then, you know, you have the Teen Titans coming in and all that stuff. Um These movies kind of suck.
1: Yeah, I'm not so I I feel like when it came to like animation, um in, in cartoons and in in movies, DC like if you want to make the debate, you know, DC versus Marvel or whatever, Um, DC definitely had like the upper hand when it came to animated movies up until recently. Now, Marvel doesn't release much animated movies, if at all. Um, but when it came to just animated content in general, DC was always, you know, the king. But lately, the, like, the, the, the films that they've been releasing have been kind of garbage. It gets to a point where like, I used to get super excited every time a DC animated movie was uh, being released. You know, they just start releasing Mm -hmm. the trailers and, and pictures. And, uh, you know, I'd get super stoked to, to watch them. And then, but like the quality of it has kind of gone downhill a little bit to the point where like now I'm like skipping movies, like Batman Hush came out and I was like, like I like the comic, but I'm like, you know, I'm not really interested in seeing the movie, especially cause I heard the movies like not even similar to the comic. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, the content that they've been producing lately has been kind of garbage.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. I actually started with Hush. Um, because I remember that that came out, and I read the comic, like, before going into it. I own it. I I read it once before, like, I think I was, like, in middle school, and I really liked it. Reading it now, um, it's definitely not as good as I thought it was. I don't think it's a great Batman comic. Um, I think Hush is actually just...
1: So you think it's overrated?
0: Yeah, I think Hush is a pretty lame villain. I think... The whole Thomas Elliot thing um, doesn't really work that well, but so whatever. I I remembered for some reason that this thing came out, so I started watching it, and it was okay. It like I don't know. I felt like so much of it was like focused on uh, Batman and Catwoman, and just like Batman like piping and it kind of reminded me of like of the killing joke that came out. Yes. In I was just about to say that. That had that ridiculous bat um batwoman batgirl. and batman like yeah, batgirl and batman sex scene.
1: That was so like, <laughs> stupid. That
0: is not in the original graphic novel and you're just like
1: they're just shoving it down your okay. throat.
0: Yeah. So like okay,
1: I like the whole dynamic that Batgirl and, and Nightwing have. Um, not even like in in animated movies or anything like just like in general like in comic books and and that's just their story like they kind of have a uh, relationship and then they kind of like force this whole thing with Bruce Wayne and and Batgirl and I'm like you know I don't I just don't know how I feel about it like Bruce Wayne is a man with like integrity when it comes to at least when it comes to like the Bat family you know what I'm saying like yeah. I just it, I don't see him doing anything like that so for them to like shove that has no no relation to the killing joke uh comic book and then they go and shove that scene down your throat I'm just like what? like it, that it just took, takes you out of the movie completely
0: mm-hmm. um they also like you saw hush you said right what repeat that you saw hush right
1: yeah, no I, I haven't seen hush okay um, I've read the comic though
0: Do you care about spoilers? No, I don't. Go ahead. Okay, so spoilers for Hush, the movie. So they missed like a really big plot point in the movie that you remember in the comic when Batman um, is like fighting Hush and then like Hush removes his tape and it's Jason Todd. Yeah. But it's actually Clayface being Jason Todd. Yeah. Okay, like that part isn't in the movie. Which I think is a pretty big. Part that's a, of the comic that's a book. that
1: yeah. That's a huge uh like scene that they yeah. could have added.
0: Yeah. So th- that part's not in it, and that's a really big moment for Batman in Hush. Another thing that they did in the movie, um, and this is big spoilers for Hush. So if you don't want to listen, skip ahead a little bit. Um, is the fact that Thomas Elliot is not Hush in the movie? What? Yeah hush is actually the the riddler oh
1: my god
0: hush is actually the riddler who um he has like a tumor and he went to the lazarus pit don't ask me how he found the lazarus pit because that's not explained
1: no okay i feel like the animated movies have like shoved the lazarus pit down your throat in like every single one though like how how many times has the lazarus pit been introduced in one of these movies
0: Bro, a million times
1: like bro we get it like you don't have to make a plot around the lazarus pit every damn movie bro
0: and then so whatever like the riddler just kind of like finds a lazarus pit um and then he becomes he decides to take on this persona of hush but that basically makes like thomas elliott's character super pointless in the movie no, it's, he's nothing now. if you haven't read the graphic novel but now i'm judging this movie basically like strictly as a movie itself um and thomas Elliot as a character doesn't build and like it doesn't add to this movie in any way basically your knowledge of the graphic novel going into this movie um is probably like the most important you can't watch this movie without reading the graphic novel because then you're just kind of like oh who is this thomas Elliot? i guess he's going to be really important And then, oh, no way, he just kind of dies.
1: Yeah, that actually sounds extremely pointless.
0: Yeah, where, like, if you read the graphic novel, you know Thomas Elliot is hush. So you're watching the movie like, okay, so I know he's hush. But still, like, I've read the graphic novel. I want to see its adaptation. But then he dies anyway. So then you're just kind of like... And you kind of have, like, this idea that, like, it could be Riddler. But then like it, it just kinda hits you or they kinda just like explain it and it's just really unsatisfying. Kinda dumb, honestly.
1: Yeah, I don't like how the the newer animated movies, like they're okay, they're trying to make adaptations or animated adaptations of the famous like Batman and just DC comics in general. Like like we're talking about Hush, we talked about the killing joke. And I don't like how they're like twisting these stories up. These these comics were successful for a reason. They're good stories. I mean, like I mean, I know you don't think Hush the comic book is that good, but you know, it's very um it's very like critically acclaimed by by fans and and reviewers of comic books, I guess. Um it's very like these these are stories that are, are super, you know, well done and and for you to like kind of twist it up for the for the movie. I feel like if you were to just make a strict animated movie based off these comic books you're gonna get a whole new audience you're gonna get like kids that are involved in these stories because a lot of people don't read comic books a lot of people only watch you know the animated stuff and they only watch the films that come out and in, uh, in the movies so i don't like how you're twisting these stories up because then it's like it makes it seem like the stories aren't that good you know what i'm saying like i get it's you. it's i don't know i'm not i'm just not a fan of where the dc animated movies in general are going lately
0: i mean there's like a fine line if you're gonna make an adaptation you run the risk of either being too faithful or not faithful enough.
1: Um, But the the thing is, like, the twists that they're adding are not necessary. They're just
0: dumb. They're just dumb. It's not that they're they're not necessary. They're just dumb. Like, if it was a good twist, I wouldn't mind it as much. Yeah. Because I don't like Thomas Elliot as a villain either way. But I think the Riddler being hush is actually just even more dumb.
1: Yeah. And... Okay, did they even, in, in the Hush animated movie, did they even, like, introduce the Riddler, like, at all, like, in the beginning of the movie at all, like, or anything? Or
0: He's in it for a little bit um, before, like, the big reveal. I think he's probably in it for, like, five minutes. Hmm. But, yeah, and, like, there's definitely some, there's scenes from the graphic novel that are in it, like um the whole opera sequence um, and, you know, the whole Joker part after that. Um, the whole Clayface thing was missing, though. Uh, so there are a lot of similarities but I don't know just I just think it doesn't work as as well as the graphic novel does and the graphic novel again doesn't even work that well because Thomas Elliot at least in my opinion isn't a strong villain but they managed to like somehow make it worse
1: yeah that just doesn't sound pleasing at all to me I, I'm I don't even think I'm gonna watch it now honestly
0: I mean if you're a fan of the graphic novel just watch it like make your own opinion of it i personally don't think i would recommend it it's definitely not in my favorite batman movies yeah um but i mean it just depends if you're a fan of the character watch it um because it does have some cool catwoman stuff but i mean other than that
1: yeah i mean like i don't really want to i don't want to like dig too deep into it but like it's it honestly just reminds me of the Killing Joke. I was so excited for the Killing Joke when they announced it. Um, that's it's one of my actually favorite. Saw it in theaters. Oh, they released it in theaters, really?
0: Yeah, I saw it. It was like a limited event. I saw it in theaters.
1: That's pretty with cool. Like I a
0: room full of Batman fans, and every single one of them was pissed.
1: Yeah, I, it's just like the Killing Joke is a great comic, and then they go I'd, and make the animated movie. I'd
0: argue it's the best Batman graphic novel of all time.
1: It might be. It might be. And you could even argue that it's probably like the best Joker story, which um, I, I agree with that, which the Joker movie seems to be taking a lot from this comic book. So if you're interested in any, um, you know, backstory for the Joker at all, which there really is not a true backstory for the Joker, just throwing that out there. Like they give you a backstory in the killing joke. It's not supposed to be a true uh backstory if that makes any sense it's it's super confusing when it comes to the joker like he's really like a character that doesn't have a real backstory um this gives you the most of one if you take it as that um so yeah if you guys are interested in watching or not not even watching no don't don't even watch the, the animated movie if you're interested in any kind of joker backstory uh leading up to the joker movie go ahead and read the killing joke do not watch the animated movie though the animated movie sucks
0: yeah so after I watched Hush, um, I watched Teen Titans Judas contract. I think is it Judas contract? I don't
1: know yeah that I'm was. pretty sure it is.
0: Um, where basically if you watch the Teen Titans animated show growing up, you kind of already know the, the plot line. basically Tara joins the Teen Titans. She spoilers. She's actually working for Slade, who is working for Brother Blood. Um, she gives up the Titans and whatever. Hijinks ensue. Um, I'd say I probably enjoyed it a little more than I enjoyed Batman Hush. Uh, just because, like, the storyline is really similar to what happens in the show, except without Trigon. I think it's Trigon in the show. Uh, it's brother blood here. Um, it wasn't great. It was just okay. Um... I think the dynamics between the Titans could have worked l- could have been a little better. Um, Nightwing and Starfire were great. Um, I think they
1: do a great job with Nightwing in the uh, animated movies like for those of you that don't know like I'm a Nightwing like fanboy that's my favorite superhero if I had to pick one um, so I think like when it comes to like his uh, his uh, perf- what they've done with him in the animated adaptations, I think it's pretty good but it's just like the movies in general just suck lately.
0: Yeah, I wasn't too impressed with this one.
1: (laughs) No, honestly, like the Teen. Did you see the Teen Titans versus Justice League? I think it was a prequel to that. No,
0: I was actually gonna watch that one
1: next. (sighs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the like like that's the story that comes before the Judas Contract. But you don't, I I don't think you really need to watch these in any particular order. Um, No,
0: there is an order. There is an order. Well, I know there's an order, but I'm saying like it's not
1: like you know it's not like the MCU where like you're gonna get like if you watch Endgame and then Infinity War after you're like it just makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? Like you can watch, yeah. you can watch justice Lee versus Batman after the Judas contract and everything still makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but, uh, I'm like the teen Titans. Like I-, I love the teen Titans. Like, like we were saying earlier, like the TV show that I was on when we were like, when Steven and I were kids, um, like that's one of the best animated cartoons probably, you know, ever when it comes to like superhero stuff. Um,
0: absolutely. And it was so monumental, yeah. For at least kids like like our age growing up, because it introduced them to so many things that, I guess, back then we didn't realize it, but looking back at the Teen Titans as a whole now, um, obviously, you know, introducing us to a lot of these superhero elements, introducing a lot of people to a lot of anime elements, because if you watch yes. Teen Titans... It is very, very heavily inspired by a lot of anime. It
1: looks like an anime. Like, it it doesn't even look like a cartoon. It looks more like an anime.
0: It's Uh, very heavily inspired by by um, anime, which I think for a lot of people my age, this could have been one of their first introductions to anime uh, without them really knowing.
1: Yeah, 100%. I agree. Um, The Teen Titans, what I liked about it too, like the TV show back in the day, was like it also introduced to you like what you were kind of saying, like a lot of uh, like the magic um like element that that the comic books have like magic when it comes to like magic and comic books like dr strange kind of introduces that in the movies and for the uh, marvel movies um it's such a hard like topic to explain you get what i'm saying and uh like these, yeah, the definitely. teen titans tv show kind of introduces that and it does a good job with that when it comes to raven um and all that good stuff. Uh so like the Teen Titans like the TV show is a phenomenal. They do a great job of introducing the Teen Titans and everything that they did with that show is just amazing. Now, the Teen Titans in the movies, I don't know. There's something like I really can't like like I haven't seen these two movies like, you know, like since they first released, so it's been a couple of years. But like I'm just not a fan of them. Like they don't hit the same if that makes any sense to you. Like it just doesn't feel the same. And I know they're different characters. It's supposed to be like, you know, like robin in the teen titans cartoon was dick grayson uh as robin and then in the movies in the animated movies he's uh dick grayson is in it but he's nightwing He's supposed to be like you know like mid 20s or something and um so he's older but so it's, it's a new team because you have damian wayne now and the and Beetle, okay, yeah Aven, beast boys like a kid yeah so it's it's a new team and all that stuff but it just i don't know like it just doesn't hit the same like it, it used to and I feel like they're trying to like capture that magic that used to be there with these like old animated TV shows into these movies, but they just can't.
0: Yeah, like it wasn't bad. By no, no it's not by bad means at means all. It bad. But
1: it's not it's not great.
0: Yeah, it's not great. It's just it's just kind of there, you know. It's okay, good, you know, but it's not bad. Like Justice League War is bad because damn, that movie is trash. That movie fucking sucks.
1: Wait, so Justice League War is the one that... Justice
0: League War is like the beginning of the timeline for these animated movies. And it should have been the end of the timeline for these <laughs> movies. Because, man, it is bad. Like, I, I'm, I may be like over-exaggerating how bad it is, but I was so disappointed. It's basically... It's like an hour and like 20 minutes... And out of that hour and 20 minutes, I'd say maybe like 50 of those minutes is like one long battle sequence versus Darkseid, who is like nothing like Darkseid. He's kind of like an idiot.
1: Wait, is this the, is Justice League War, I may have asked you this earlier, this is the one that introduces the Justice League?
0: Yeah, this is the one that introduces uh, Okay, Batman, so, um, it's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, green lantern cyborg flash and shazam
1: okay so from what i remember from justice league war uh, that you may not know this is um the first like the first like 12 13 14 issues of justice league the new 52 justice league so when the new 52 if you don't know comic books at all New 52 was just when dc got rebooted and they called that reboot the new 52 so they made new 52 batman New 52 superman whatever so, they made a new Justice League story. Justice League War is, a is like, the live adaptation of, like, the first, like, 15 issues of the Justice League comic book um, in the New 52 mm-hmm. format. And um, so, I remember – that's, like – it goes back to what we were saying before. Because I from what I remember, I haven't – like I said, I haven't seen this movie in a while. So, I can't, like, point out the, the different scenes. But I remember them changing things in the live animated movie compared to the comic. Because the Justice League comic does pretty well. Or mm-hmm. it did pretty well and uh so i do remember them changing things up in justice league war that i wasn't a fan of i didn't hate the movie uh but i do agree it's not their best um and i'm actually reading right now this has a 50 on rotten tomatoes so that's not that's not like in rotten tomatoes that high. yeah I'm i mean it really isn't that great like at all so it's just like bro, i don't know what happened bro like dc used to make such great content and they just have not lately
0: Like, for me, personally, uh, the movie was really little introductions. Like, oh, hey, uh, we want to make this really long battle scene, but we have to introduce the Justice League. So then they just kind of spend, like, five minutes introducing, you know, the members of the Justice League that are, like, nothing like how the characters uh, usually are or, like, should be or represent. And I hate using that. Well, give me an example of what you mean. Okay, um like Superman just kind of seemed very arrogant and headstrong. Like yeah. he was kind of like like really douchey. Yeah, I remember that. I remember um, that. Green Lantern. He's like okay, an airhead. Green Lantern. He was like an you airhead No, he's in not movie. an airhead. He's just really fucking annoying. And now Green Lantern is sometimes annoying, but...
1: Hal Jordan is really not that annoying in the comic books. So I feel like the animated movies... In he's like
0: funny and he's quippy and snappy. And this, he's just annoying. Like yeah. He's annoying as shit. Batman is like cracking jokes um wonder woman seems very like ditzy you know like she's very ditzy um the dialogue was really really corny um the movie just felt like small character introductions leading up to like one big battle kind of like how the deadpool movie was kind of like two big battle scenes sandwiching some like drama Mm mm-hmm Except that this is just like, hey, introduction, introduction, introduction. Darkseid is here. Let's fight him. And then they fight him and then that's it. And then the movie kind of ends. Which, I mean, it could work if you were faithful to the characters and, you know, there was dialogue in it and there was character development. But there really wasn't much. Um, Darkseid, I think, was handled very poorly. He just seemed like... This really brutish, you know, villain it wasn't very intimidating. He's this is like their Thanos, and then they just kind of beat him. He's better I than Thanos.
1: What, I, I, he's better than Thanos,
0: debatable, but, um, like better in what sense, like backstory wise or like
1: backstory, stronger, wise? everything. I feel like Darkseid is just a very, he's just more menacing. Like Thanos, Thanos was done extremely well in the movies compared to like the comic books. I feel like, um,
0: I disagree with that. I mean, I think Dark Side versus Thanos one v one, Dark Side wins. Uh, but if Thanos has the gauntlet, Thanos stops.
1: I don't know. That's debatable, but that's for another time.
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna debate that right now. Um it just I don't know, it, it felt almost like kind of like lifeless and corny. Also, some of the editing was like really wonky. Like I know there's one part that really stuck out to me was that they had Dark Side like tied up and they were like They were beating up on him and they had just finished (laughs) like gauging his eyes out, which is another thing. You're telling me that this guy can survive like Superman punches to the face, but like he'll get taken down by a literal crowbar. Like it doesn't make sense. But back to the editing, there was one part that really stuck out to me that they were beating down on him and he was like tied up and then it cuts. And then he's like chasing flash like on all fours. And you're just kind of like, wait, what? Like, what? Like it felt like there was a lot missing. Like you had to, f- you had to fill in the gaps a lot. Like as a viewer, and when that happens so many times, yeah, like, just you lose the audience. Confusion. It just leads to confusion. Gotcha. It was, it was bad. It was bad. Also, like the voice of Green Lantern was like, I-, I don't know. I didn't really like it, so I'm glad they changed it or they went back to Nathan Fillion, in like the future movies because I think Nathan Fillion is a much better voice for Green Lantern.
1: Nathan Fillion should have been Green Lantern in the live action movies had he been younger, um, because he would have been. I think he would he like would have been a perfect uh live action Hal Jordan, which he could still be Hal Jordan if they yeah, want actually, to do that in the movies. Well, the thing is like how I think they might introduce the Green Lantern in the movie or Green Lanterns in the movies is uh, it's like a, Hal Jordan's gonna already be probably be established, and they're gonna try to bring in John Stewart. Kyle, uh, Kyle Rayner, whatever his name is, and um, go from there. So they, if they wanted to like do that, where it's kind of like an older like Green Lantern, that could be dope, and Nathan Fillion would be phenomenal. But that yeah, it's probably not the best thing to do, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh- <clears throat> um. So after I saw that one, I watched uh, one that's a little older, not part of this universe, because I wanted to to sort of see. Or at least remember how these animated movies were before. And I watched Justice League Doom, which I hadn't seen in a really long time, which is the one where Vandal Savage breaks into um like the Batcomputer and takes Batman's contingency plans against the Justice League. And I liked it a little more than I remembered. Um it's based off the story of Tower of Babel, I believe it is. Yeah. Which again is basically, you know, Batman's plans to take down the Justice League should the need ever arise. And it was fine. Um, I liked it enough. Uh, I think the characters were strong. And I think they were true to themselves, which is the most important thing in a Justice League movie. Um, but it's, it was no Mask of the Phantasm, which I watched right after. And there just felt like there was so much more life in Mass of the Phantasm and it seemed like there was so much more care and effort put into a film like that that has so much more adultish themes Yeah, I mean, because if you watch yeah. Mass of the Phantasm obviously it's a kids movie but it's a very heavy
1: Isn't Mass of the Phantasm like the is, is isn't it like just like a a spin-off or like a of the the animated TV show
0: I mean it's based off of like the animated because i remember
1: it being like the same you know bruce wayne animation style and all that stuff so i figured it was all like like, in the same universe and all that
0: i don't know if it's in the same universe um but it is like in the same style i'm assuming it is in the same universe um but it is in the same like style same art direction um i believe like the same producers and and,
1: yeah uh, it's all the same cast like mark hamill kevin conroy
0: um But where where Master of the Phantasm is, you know, this very heavy story about Batman and Bruce Wayne, and basically Bruce Wayne. I would I
1: would even say it's probably more Bruce Wayne.
0: Yeah, Bruce Wayne not really wanting to be Batman, but he knows deep down that he can't stop doing it. Um, whereas these new Justice League films just don't really tap into that. Uh, for any character, there's no real depth to these characters, and I know that's a, a little difficult when um, you have like an ensemble cast. But when you're devoting so much time to these fight scenes and these big action set pieces, uh, rather than to character development, there's no real there's no real weight to what's going on, and that's kind of what why I liked Teen Titans: Judas Contract a little more than I liked War and Hush was because. Um, You actually felt for Beast Boy um, and some of the other Titans when Terra, you know, turned evil. And you could also feel it for Terra when um, Deathstroke turned on her. You could feel the emotion um, and the weight that these actions carry on the characters where you don't really feel that in some of these new, these newer Justice League
1: movies. I 100% agree. Character development, like for me personally, when it comes to storytelling, whether it's a book, comic book, movie. character development is in my opinion this is what like where this is just me like sharing what i connect with and what i like the most out of a story is character development and um i i I think i thought that like you know master the phantasm and the earlier especially the earlier uh dc animated movies uh did a really good job at that lately i feel like it's just them like throwing characters together
0: yeah and i mean and character development is like weird there's a lot of really great movies that don't really have character development, uh, like Forrest Gump, um, uh, La Dolce Vita, um, The Big Lebowski, those are movies that the characters don't really change much throughout the course of the story, but the story itself is gripping enough for you to look past that. Or the lack of character development is part of the story. But when you have something like this, where... Where you have these superheroes, I think character development is incredibly. It's extremely
1: important. important. I mean, you can you can compare it to the the MCU, like kind of like mm, and I feel like the MCU focuses on character development the most. Like when you see like the way Tony Stark has developed, like Tony Stark, yes, he's the same exact person that he was from the first movie. But when it comes to like his intentions and and and, and like his goals and everything that he. Everything changes throughout the movies. You get what I'm saying? And that's what led yeah. to like endgame and everything that happened in Endgame. And um you see that with like most of the characters, Spider Man, Captain America, like everything everyone's character has developed throughout the movies. Like Thor especially. Thor's a big one. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. um so character development like when it comes to superhero movies, I feel like is extremely important.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I agree one hundred percent. Um so, with that, since we're still on the topic of, you know, these DC animated movies, and we're pretty much like 30 minutes into this podcast, you want to rank our top five DC animated movies?
1: <sighs> yeah, let's get into it. Um, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, So, number five, I have Batman Gotham Knight. Um, so, if you don't know, have you seen the Batman Gotham Knight, like, shorts?
0: I, I, no, I actually haven't. This is one of the few Batman shorts and...
1: And movie movies I haven't seen yeah i 100 um think that you should get into it um it's been a long time since I've seen it so I, I don't remember like each short that they have in it but it's pretty much like a lot of like short like 10 15 20 minute Batman stories that they can that they tell with different animation styles and voices and you know whatever different styles of like fighting um and they pack it all into one movie and it's just all these different stories that it, it just it tells like it tells Different stories of Batman in different ways, and that's what I love about it. Like, there's if I remember from what I remember from one of them, like one of the. It's not like it's not like really a spoiler, but it it kind of shows like the point of view of like a civilian and how they perceive Batman and how they perceive you know like who Batman like it, it's it's kind of showing how like like I think they were talking about it like is Batman a person? Is Batman like an actual bad? Is he a monster? You get what I'm saying? And it's like it yeah, shows yeah. how they perceive him. And it's so well done, like that one animated short. I don't remember the name of it, so my bad. Um, but just you know, in general, the Batman Gotham Night is it's my number five. It, it now that I think about it, I'll, I I kind of want to put that higher on my list, but I'll keep it there. Um, it's it's super well done, and and a lot of it, a lot of the animation styles that they show in this are like very um, like anime styled art. Which so if you if you're a fan of anime, you can like you'll have a super the, like appreciation for what they uh achieved in this movie or animated movie so it's 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 really good I, I 100% recommend i think both of us can can probably say like our top five we we recommend all these movies so if yeah. you're a batman fan definitely go watch gotham knight um all
0: right so my number five i actually have batman under the red hood um i actually haven't read these graphic novels or this story of um or this string of stories um, but I did watch the movie. I watched the movie, I think, like, a little bit after it came out. And I remember not liking it as much. strictly really? Because Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill weren't in it. And, um, the voices for Bruce Wayne, who was, uh, Bruce Greenwood in this movie, and Joker, who was John DiMaggio, just didn't sound right for me. Like it, Like, it always sounded a bit off. And it still kind of does. But I can definitely appreciate it, or at least appreciate this movie more than I did back then. Um... I'd say this is one of the more gritty Batman um like movies or animated yes. films. Um and I think this is like the first one or well, I don't want to say the first one, but the first one I remember watching at least, um, that was more violent than the others. Like yeah. Jason Todd gets the shit beat out of him.
1: Yeah, I was actually gonna bring that up when I I was gonna bring that up in my top five. Like it's Jason Todd. That whole like the movie like like if you if you know these stories like it, it pretty much shows like Jason Todd getting the shit beat out of him like in the first five minutes, and just from that like interaction with Joker and Jason Todd, um and like the way he's like you know beating the crap out of him with the uh, what is that a crowbar, yeah. like you just know going into it, you're like yo this is not a cartoon like for yeah, for it kids, does,
0: it does it does a great job of setting the tone yes the rest of the movie like yes. very very early, um. I would say, well, obviously it's one of my favorite movies. If it's in my top five, um, it's good. No, scratch that. It's legitimately, legitimately a great movie. But it's one of those that like has the Lazarus Pit like super heavily featured. Yes, but that was like
1: the first I, time they kind of introduced it know, in the animated know, movie, I so know, I was okay I, with I it.
0: I understand like the importance of the Lazarus Pit, but I just feel like it's such a cop out. It is.
1: It is a hundred percent is.
0: But I mean it's comic books. There's cop-outs everywhere. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Under the Red Hood is my number five.
1: Alright, that's a good pick. Um my number four is a movie that not many people it's it's kinda similar to Batman Gotham Night. Not many people have seen this one either. It's a uh, Justice League New Frontier. Um so Justice League New Frontier is pretty much like it's not connected to uh, you know, any of the newer DC animated movies. Um it's very It's just like another take on what the Justice League... Or what you could do with the Justice League. Like, it pretty much is a... When you watch a lot of these animated movies when it comes to Batman or Justice League or or whatever, they're always... Almost always a modern adaptation of, like, you know, Batman living amongst... Like, you know, if he was living in 2019 or whatever. But the New Frontier takes place in... uh, What was it? The Korean War? So, that's like, you know, the 1950s. So it's another take on the justice league and it show it's just i ah, it's so well done like the animation style i love it it's, it's it's like a completely different animation style than what people are used to when it comes to uh cartoons and all that stuff um the story is well done they introduce a bunch of characters in this movie now they don't there's a lot of characters in this movie that they don't uh they don't necessarily introduce them and give them like a long, uh, introduction. But you know, like Batman gets a pretty good introduction. Superman gets a good introduction. Um, I think There's Wonder it, the Woman. Ones that, like everyone knows. Yes, it's like honestly, it's kind of like those three, and then like everybody else. Like they just throw like you know, like when they need, when, Martian Manhunter actually is pretty important in this movie too. But like when they like, I think the Flash is in it. Um, they throw him in there, but he's not really given like a big introduction. Like it's it's just. I, I can't really explain it. Like I, I like I was kind of saying earlier how like I'm huge into character development. Like they don't really do it too much in this movie, but the the story is is very well done. That it, it it's it, it brings in a lot of um elements of the DC universe together. So that mm-hmm. it's I, I'm I'm a huge fan of it. So uh, have you seen it at all, Stephen?
0: No, I, I, this is one of the few Justice League movies I haven't seen.
1: You should definitely check it out. Like I honestly think that you'd be a fan of it. It's it's, it's just different, man. It's honestly just different
0: okay interesting yeah i'll definitely be checking that one out um all right so my number four and i think it's it might be when i look at my list it looks a little too low but i don't see how i could realistically put it over my top three but i'm my number four is the dark knight returns part one um i wish that i could have put you know part one and two together but that's kind of cheating um, I mean, really, the biggest reason why this is my number four is because I'm a huge fan of the graphic novel of oh, um, the Dark Knight I mean, Returns. Yeah, the Dark Knight Returns. Um, I,
1: I I personally think that's like one of the more overrated, um,
0: really stories.
1: I'm not a big fan of Frank Miller. Like, it's good, it's good, but I'm not. I'm just. It's. I don't know. I I just think that like the praise that it gets sometimes is a little unnecessary. I don't I don't think it's as good as people make it out to be, but you and I have different tastes. So, let me hear yeah. your your take on it.
0: I mean, I just think it's so you're right. Frank Miller in my opinion is is kind of hit or miss. He's I think um, he's like
1: one of the most overrated writers in comic books.
0: He's very hit or miss, but when he hits, he hits. I think he hits <laughs> he hits very very hard. Like I mean, 300 whatever. Um he did Batman Year 1 which City. I thought was really good. Yeah, Year 1 is awesome. Um he did Sin City which personally I'm not the biggest fan of, but I think that he has made some of the most influential like Batman works of all time in Year 1 and The Dark Knight Returns and you can see The Dark Knight Returns in so much of Batman media, um especially The Dark Knight Rises. Um, uh the movie? Yeah, I mean, what other Dark Knight Rises? Do you well,
1: think? I I feel like a, a good I feel like you can compare it to the Batman and Batman versus Superman.
0: Yeah, I was actually I was actually going to say that one next. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Oh, uh, I just thought of the Dark Knight Rises first. Well, what what
1: what makes you compare it to the Dark Knight Rises? Because oh, because Bruce Wayne is aged, and is that what, what you're? Yeah, yeah. Bruce okay. Wayne is
0: kind of aged. Gotcha. He's been Batman for a while. He's you know starting to get a little bit broken. Um, but then I think Batman versus Superman, I think is. Uh, probably honestly probably the one i should have said first but um you have a grizzled bruce wayne and that one and you, you know what i'm you know what i'm talking about yeah i think
1: i actually think that um i mean okay <laughs> bias aside or whatever uh your, your thoughts on the batman versus superman as a whole like the movie itself just put that aside when it comes to, like ben affleck's performance as batman and and how they perceive batman in that movie and how it, it's very similar to the dark knight returns i think they do a really good job at that like I think that's probably like one of the best ways that you can introduce a like older, grizzled, darker, uh, Batman, um, in a movie. You know what I mean? And they, they, they. I think they even said that this Batman was, um, uh, like they were getting inspiration from The Dark Knight Returns. I don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm pretty sure. Like, I, I mean, they have the exact same logo on their chest. So I'm assuming that's what the uh that's what they were going for but um i I definitely think that the batman versus superman version of batman is like the best you can compare this to and they do a pretty good job of that
0: Mm -hmm. like um again i i like this one because it follows the comic book very closely part one of this takes place um you know it's obviously starts when bruce wayne is a retired batman and it ends with um um joker coming out of the catatonic state um and then part two is you know batman versus the joker and you know the whole superman thing um but i just feel like part one is a little bit tighter than part two is um however they're neck and neck for me quite honestly like i would just give the clear edge to part one just because it does a great job of setting up you know who this batman is and why he is where he is you got me it also like introduces carrie kelly um who is the new Robin played by Ariel wins do you
1: do you like Harry Kelly I'm really not a fan
0: I mean she's okay like I don't I don't dislike her
1: I just I don't see like the need for her necessarily like I don't know Carrie Kelly is just another like I think lie. he needs
0: I think he needs to have like a Robin especially like at this point of his life
1: I just don't like that they, there's so many robins like Um, well
0: remember in this storyline tim drake never exists yeah like j like jason todd dies and then i think that's That's when batman retires so i think he needs a robin like carrie kelly to help pull batman out of this funk since his last robin got fucking wrecked
1: yeah okay i guess that makes sense but i don't know carrie kelly as a whole just doesn't do it for me but that's a story. That's a debate for another time.
0: Yeah. Um, right. So that's my number four. John, what's your number three?
1: My number three is uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. We kind of dabbled into that earlier, so I don't need to go too much into detail. But um, kind of going back to what I said, character development is huge when it comes to like for me when it comes to storytelling. And this is probably some of the best, if not the best character development in a movie. Or for a character, uh, like in an animated movie, mm-hmm. and um, especially for a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. So um, that's pretty much why it's so high on my list. Also, it's also like one of the best, if not the best, like superhero animated movies ever. Um, it, it's just like overall a, good, a great movie. So that's why it's my number three. I love it. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say about that.
0: Um, it's up until the killing joke, it was actually the only animated Batman movie to be released in theaters. Really? Yeah, I just read that right now. Wow. Yeah. All right. So my number three, and I'm actually surprised this one isn't on your list. Um, is actually a Flashpoint Paradox. Um, Flashpoint
1: Paradox is 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 would probably be like my number six.
0: Really? I think th- I think Flashpoint Paradox kind of marks the end of these great DC animated Run. movies, and then it's like it's, this is like the bookend. And then the next phase, because I think Justice League War was the one that came out right after, and we saw how that one turned out. But um, for me, I think Flashpoint Paradox, I have to give the ed- I have to give it the edge over the Dark Knight Returns sh- strictly because of how well it deals with all these alternate realities and and you know Flash going you know from dimension to dimension and all that shit, and seeing a different side of these characters um, than we usually see, like in this reality thomas wayne is batman after bruce dies and the mom martha wayne actually turns into the joker because of this martha (laughs) so um she made me lose my train of thought Fuck.
1: (laughs) why did you say that name No, nah, but uh, uh, Martha, Martha turning into the Joker, and then Thomas Wayne turning into Batman is such a dope like storyline. It's just story it's,
0: it's things like that that, um, even the comic book, I think it it makes it you know a great story, um, and I think they adapted it incredibly well onto the big screen. The animation is fluid. Um, the film keeps a tight pace. There's nothing really. There's no like throwaway scenes that I think a lot of these like DC animated movies have. Oh, you know, movies that don't really help the plot. And I think um like Flashpoint Paradox I think keeps keeps its momentum throughout like, you know, the whole film. Especially since like for a lot of people they don't really know this story and for them seeing like another side to this D C universe is just cool as shit, quite honestly.
1: Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Um but yeah, like the Flashpoint Paradox, I love that that movie. Um it probably should be on my list, but I don't know. Like I'm satisfied with my list, so maybe not. I don't know. It's probably my number six. It's probably my number six. It's it's, it's a great movie, like you said. Like the whole, um um Martha turning into the Joker, Thomas Wayne as Batman. Like it's it's just it's so dope. It's so, they do such a great job with that. Mm-hmm. So I I and the Flash, the Flash is such a phenomenal character too. Like he is probably one of the best superheroes. Like one of the my ever one of my biggest problems with all these
0: animated movies is how like how much they have to nerf flash um
1: because well they do that in the comics too you kind of have to bro he's so overpowered
0: and that's my problem like he is such an overpowered character that them dumbing him down so much just makes him look like a joke
1: Yeah, yeah like he's just there for like comedic relief and and to you know do little tornadoes or something yeah
0: literally he does that he does that in justice like doom like three times He does like little tornadoes
1: yeah that's uh i actually agree with that but you know at the end of the day you kind of have to because that that's you you write yourself into a corner when you start making a character so strong like superman's the same way but the flash is like stupid overpowered people don't realize how f- overpowered the flash is i know but, but the, g- the guy can go back in time you know what i mean like, yeah but if you can go back in time you can do anything
0: yeah but the thing with superman is that he's an overpowered character but the best superman has stories weaknesses. yeah and the best superman stories aren't about characters who can like physically match superman it's about the positions that they put superman in and like the choices yeah. that they have to make superman make you know what i'm saying
1: yeah 100 percent.
0: like with flash you can't really do that with flash yeah. So either you make him overpowered and give him an overpowered villain or you give him like a normal villain and you make Flash super underpowered. You get me? It's yeah. kind of hard to find a balance. I think this movie yeah. does it pretty well.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, so with that being said, I uh, let me go on to number two. My number two is, we talked about it earlier a little bit too, is Justice League Doom. That's the movie where um, uh, Vandal Savage... Hacks Batman's computer and gets the uh the plans to, to dest- that Batman put together to destroy the Justice League uh uh if a hero in the Justice League were to go rogue, and um they pretty much use it against all of them and it's 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 a, it's a great story hundred percent recommend it's one of my favorite if not my favorite like Justice League stories as a whole in any adaptation um so I think they do a really good job um with this movie
0: it's good um like batman is my favorite probably my favorite superhero um like up there with spider-man neck and neck but i think i have to give batman the slight edge um however one thing that kind of bothers me in this is just how much like the movie feels kind of like a batman jerk off session like a batman circle jerk which it basically is basically like it is. basically like look how smart batman is Look how but he can that's de- what... defeat all of the Justice League if he needed to. But and it's like, okay, I guess. I but... feel like the
1: DC animated movies have kind of started to do that more and more because they know that how much people love Batman. Like, don't get me wrong, dude. Batman is a incredible character in any format. And the, like the DC animated movies have literally focused on him so much lately that I'm like, bro, like there's so many other characters you guys can write about. Like, and that movie does have that problem, but that's the thing with that story is that I look at it as that's something that would probably happen. Like it's actually like a great story to go off of, you know, um, when it comes to Batman having these plans and and him getting hacked and all that stuff. Like I just I feel like that's it's a story that that's never been told. You've never really dove into that at all when it comes to like how smart Batman is, and that kind of shows it. Mm-hmm. So I th- that's why I think they do a really good job at that.
0: Yeah, and then like like that's all cool. And then up until like the end, when you have you know the Justice League voting whether or not to kick out Batman, and then Batman is just kind of like, you know what, I'm a badass. I don't need this. I'll just leave because you guys are naive. Um, and then Superman follows him and hey, let me give you back this kryptonite bullet because I know I can trust you with it. Which like yeah, it makes it makes sense. But like just. The- I guess kind of like the way it's done, like coupled with the fact that the whole rest of the movie is the like how smart Batman is. It, I don't know. It just comes across as like them just circle jerking over it. At that that, point. that
1: um that scene reminded me of a scene in I forget what comic book it is. It was like a Batman Superman like collaboration, like comic book story that they had to run on for a couple of years. Um, but uh, there was a scene where I, I pretty I'm pretty sure like, like they got inspiration from that scene where I, it was, like, Superman giving him like a, the kryptonite bullet or, or just, like, some form of kryptonite. Because they were, from, if I remember correctly, like, what the story is pretty much about is that, like, there was kryptonite found all over the world. Not a lot, like, just, you know, like, there's, there's, like, been a sighting of kryptonite in Brazil and one in, you know, the Middle East and whatever, whatever. So Superman and Batman are, like, okay, to make sure that nobody gets, acquires these, uh this kryptonite, we need to go out there and get the, um, uh, and get them to make sure, you know, no bad guys get a hold of them. Whatever. So, how – I think, like, when they find the last one or whatever, like, I think they were destroying it. I, I, I don't remember the, the, the details, but whatever. They go and get, like, the first or the last one, and then Superman, uh like, pretty much hands it to him. And he's like, look, if anything were to happen to me, you know, someone controls my mind, or if I just ever go rogue, I, I, I'm I just giving this to you as, like, this is, like, a weapon to kill me. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's yeah. pretty much, like, pretty much of that. But what what I love about that in the comic books is like it's pretty much Batman like like accepts it and he's like you know I I got you like you know whatever, and then it shows Batman like in the Batcave and then like he like goes into a room and it's like a room filled with kryptonite and it's like pretty much goes to show you like Batman's already like one step ahead of you like yeah
0: and like you need that for Batman because like it's so important to his character, but it's so easy to just get into like a self like masturbatory. Yeah, a
1: hundred percent. That's because everybody just, you know, everybody loves Batman, so like they probably feel like they're forced to do that, you know.
0: Yeah, it, literally. Um, so that was your number two. All right. Yeah. So my number two, and I cannot believe you do not have this on your list. Um, my number two is honestly.
1: Well, go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it.
0: Okay, my number two is Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker.
1: Now, okay, so let me cut you off real quick because I want you to talk about it a little bit. The only reason why it's not on my list, I remember it being good. I don't remember this movie at all, though. Like, I don't remember the, like I don't remember all the like the details of the stories. So that's why I didn't put it on my list. I do want to rewatch this again, though.
0: This is the movie where, um, okay, obviously you know the story of Batman Beyond. For those who don't know, this is Gotham several years into the future. Bruce Wayne is retired as like Batman. 80. He's an old man. He's like seventy or eighty years old. Um, and then Terry McGinnis, who's kind of like this young, um, you know, street kid. You could kind
1: of compare him to like like a, like a mixture of like Dick Grayson and Jason Todd.
0: Yeah. I'd say it's a mixture of all three Robins, if I'm being honest.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, he comes he comes across Bruce Wayne and I don't remember how exactly. It's been a while since I've seen the show, but he learns that Bruce Wayne was Batman and Terry ends up becoming Batman in this futuristic Gotham City. Um, and in this film, the Joker comes back, but obviously it's impossible. Uh, so, the movie basically um, tells the story of Terry McGinnis, the new Batman, you know, fighting, you know, this old pinnacle of evil uh, in Gotham and trying to solve this mystery of how can he be back because apparently the Joker was dead. Um, so, shenanigans happen and I'm not going to spoil the film because it's, it's a really good movie and it's kind of like twisty. has like a little twist ending.
1: I might actually watch this like after we it's end our podcast. Awesome,
0: you need to watch it. Um, if you have strong nostalgic ties to Batman Beyond, which I certainly do, um, like you definitely watch this movie with rose-colored glasses. But if you don't, I still think that this movie holds up well, um, especially through the twists and seeing how Terry and just the sign like the symbolism of you know this new Batman facing off against this
1: old foe. Is it is Mark Hamill voicing the Joker in this? I think he yes, is, right? Yes, he does. I I so like what I do know that is that um, for people that love connected universes like I do, that the Batman Begins is a like I think it was confirmed that it is like a sequel to the Batman animated TV show, which is probably like, the best animated show like ever. Um, like this is like a a direct sequel though. Like this is all in the same universe. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So um,
1: that's pretty dope. If you're if you're a fan of the Batman show from like the '90s and t- or the 2000s, did it go into the 2000s? I don't even know. Um, no, it didn't. Okay, so if you're a fan of like the Batman animated show from the '90s, like this is a direct sequel to that. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Kevin Conroy still voices Batman in this mo- in does. this uh, show too and, and movie. So yeah, I mean, like I haven't seen. That. Okay, so the last time I saw this movie was actually when it was on TV. So that was a long time ago. Like I haven't re rewatched it again, mm-hmm. but I probably will after this.
0: Okay, there's an uncut version and there's a censored version. Watch the uncut I'm watch version. The uncut one. Um The movie's violent. It's very violent. You'll see it when you watch the uncut version. Um and I think it does a great job of showing like how Gotham has progressed but gone backwards at the same time, if that makes sense. That's what yeah. I that's what I'm gonna leave it at.
1: That's a good way to put it. Um, You're number 1. All right, so my number 1, we talked about it earlier, was Batman Under the Red Hood. Um, the only reason why this is my number 1 is because it's probably my favorite Batman story, like the whole thing with Jason Todd. Um I love Jason Todd as a character, especially because he's like a character that I don't okay, I really don't like where the comic books have taken Jason Todd, like he went from being that bad guy back to being like a like anti-hero, which I you know, whatever. I think he works but, like, better
0: as an anti-hero than as a villain.
1: I like him as a villain because I like that it kind of goes against what we were saying. How, like, the whole, like, Batman circle jerk and Batman's so smart and everything goes Batman's way. Like, this is one of those moments, or, like, this is a story where this doesn't go Batman's way at all. Like, first of all, the Batman looks at Robin, whether it's Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Damian Wayne, whatever. Like, these are, like, his sons. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is his children. And, um, Jason Todd dies to his number 1 foe the joker and literally gets the shit beat out of him and then gets like uh like bombed or whatever and 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 dies with you know I'm, I'm doing the air quotations um I mean he does die Te- that, like, technically
0: like, he dies
1: <laughs> Yeah technically he dies yeah technically he dies so that does that that's just like one way of shit not going his way and then Jason Todd comes back through the Lazarus pit Lazarus pit baby yeah it really is such a cop-out like <laughs> um but yeah jason todd comes back and then he's pretty much becomes like the bad guy of the uh movie and um you know it's just like and that's another thing that's like you know batman's like oh my god jason's back but it, jason's not jason anymore like he's the red hood he's a fucking he's your phone now you know what i mean and i i just i i think it does a really good job at that and and i don't know i, I just really love this movie i think it's really fucking good
0: okay fair enough Uh, my number one and for me it's like a clear number one and in my opinion the best Batman movie of all time including the live action movies um, Mask of the Phantasm Um, I think this is the definitive Batman slash Bruce Wayne story and I don't think the themes like I said earlier I don't think the themes that are you know Touched upon in this film for both Batman and Bruce Wayne are touched upon um, in any film. Um, yes, even more so than you know the, the Nolan movies. Besides, like maybe The Dark Knight, you could argue The Dark Knight, um, but to yeah. me, like this is the definitive Batman movie. Batman. Um, well, it's
1: the best. Like I, I would, I would definitely argue, and you probably agree that it is the best. Like, um the best adaptation of Batman from a comic book, like when it comes to like the character.
0: Absolutely. You have Batman um, being a detective. You have Bruce Wayne, um, you know, his inner struggle between being um, this vigilante and being like a normal person and him realizing that he can never live a normal life. And this really shows the weight of being Batman more than any other film adaptation of the character.
1: I am th- honestly surprised that we have. My, no, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I'm honestly surprised that we haven't seen a similar movie like this in a live action movie.
0: I mean, because I think just, the live action movies have their problems. Um, I don't think for all the praise that the Nolan films get, um, I'm probably like at least amongst my friends and our group, I'm the biggest critic for these Nolan films. Um, I don't. I'm
1: th- a big critic for it too. I love The Dark Knight, but it's like when it comes to like like an actual like like how they adapted Batman and it's it's like the worst adaptation of Batman and the universe I agree in the live action films I agree so that's like a big thing for me
0: I agree um and I think because of the love that Bruce Tim and and company put into the animated series um from 1995 up until like 2000 when you had you know the Justice League you had the Superman show that Batman would appear in um Batman was consistent. Throughout all of these, like Batman as a character, and I think this film does more for Batman's character, um, than some of the like, the shows episodes do. Again, like they all work together, but I think in this movie, you see, um, Bruce Wayne struggle more than than in anything else. And for me, I think all the elements of what makes Batman such a great character come together perfectly in this.
1: Yeah, I 100 percent agree. It, it really is like one of the best if not the best like batman adaptations ever. So I there's really not much to go off of other than that. It's it's so well done. Yeah. Bruce Timm is actually a genius.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think he should have been in I think he should have been in charge of uh of the DC cinematic universe, like the live action one, um just because he you can tell that he cares for these characters. He gets them. More than he like s- mo- definitely more than like Zack Snyder does. Oh, uh, I think Yeah,
1: I mean the only the thing is about without that though is that someone that takes these uh like it, it's hard to adapt these in movies and he's not someone that's known for for movies. Mm-hmm. Um like Jeff Johns, they brought in Jeff Johns. Now I know Jeff Johns didn't if you don't know who Jeff Johns is, he's one of the best DC comics um writers like ever. I mean he's he still writes to this day. He, the stories that he's done and and, and told have been fantastic mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, they brought Jeff Johnson to help with the uh, DC Extended Universe, but and to help like formulate a plan, he they wanted him to be similar like Kevin Feige is from Marvel, and um, so he was helping as much as he can. A lot of people said that he was a big problem, uh, when it came to like, wow. they brought him in like I think around the time Batman vs Superman was getting released. Mm-hmm. Now. Th- the way they did Batman of steel and Batman versus Superman and, and suicide squad and all that stuff. Um, like they're really like they're he was trying to make something out of nothing. You know what I mean? Like Zack Snyder kind of like, I feel like Zack Snyder, don't get me wrong. Like I'm a fan of man of steel. I I think he does like visually, he's a great director. Um, but he kind of like wrote the DC extended universe into a corner with how he introduced a lot of things. especially like an older batman and and like you know batman is pretty much like the leader with superman of the justice league and then you already have batman that's like 50 years old yeah 45 it just doesn't make sense you know what i mean and then you're trying to introduce the justice league after that um so jeff johns is like trying to work with that and like i I don't know i I don't even think he's a part of the uh i don't even think he's a part of, of the dc the movies anymore but it's hard to do that with like for bruce tim to do that because if you're not into like producing movies like films it's hard bro like it's it's just it's a completely different uh, format you know like yeah and kevin feige is not known for comic book stuff he's known for producing superhero movies but he's a film guy he's a film guy film guy first like and that's what you i i think like that's what you want as for a producer when it comes to controlling these you know properties
0: yeah that's true um all right so with that we're already like almost like an hour into this or maybe even an hour so we got to talk about hustlers i just want to take care of my grandma maybe go shopping every once in a while when i was a kid i always wanted to work with animals (laughs) i was close these wall street guys you see what they did to this country they stole from everybody Hardworking people lost everything. And not one of these douchebags went to jail. The game is rigged, and it does not reward people who play by the rules. It's like robbing a bank, except you get the keys.
1: All right, so I ended up seeing... Okay, so I think Steven can agree with me. This is a movie that we probably didn't think we were going to review. I saw the reviews online. I had a a friend of mine mention to me that they wanted to go see it and i was like cuz i was trying to, i was trying to go to the movies and i was like you know what movies out right now like is there any movies out right now so i go and saw i see hustlers on the amc app and i'm like okay i kind of heard this movie here and there online let me uh let me like dabble into rotten tomatoes and i see that i think at the time i don't know what it has right now let me check i think at the time it had like a 90 something percent i
0: think it's
1: like and a 91 like, should be like at 89 right now yeah so i saw that it had a like a 90 four or it has an 88 percent at the moment i saw at the moment like when i did um when i was like looking to see it to watch it i saw that it had like a 94 percent and i was like okay whoa this movie's that good because i feel like the marketing of this movie was like trying to like market like you know strippers yeah and 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 heists and you're like whoa like okay like this is just going to be another movie like you could kind of compare it to um What's the movie with Magic Mike with uh, Channing Tatum? I thought it was going to be like another movie like that where it's like there's no plot to it. It's just like strippers and, and, and crap like that. And they're just trying to, you know, bring an audience in by bringing Jennifer Lopez and Cardi B and, and Lizzo. You know what I mean? So I was like, this is just, you know, another one of these movies. Mm-hmm. But I finally was like, you know what? If it has a 97% Rod Tomatoes, let me go check it out. Mm-hmm. I went to go watch it. And I literally walked out of that movie. The first thing I did was call Steven. And I go, yo, go watch this movie. We're doing a review in this movie. Like, it's it's good. It is a really good movie. And it, it literally shocked me. Like, 25 minutes into the movie, I was like, holy shit. Like, this is actually a, a pretty good movie. Like, this is not, like... This is not a movie where they're just trying to show girls stripping in front of you. Like, they don't shove that crap down your throat at all. Like, it's actually, like, a really well-done film. And... um with that being said, I think that I also kind of want to like I'm not really trying to get into spoilers right now because we always deal like, you know spoiler free talk before we get into spoilers. So I do want to mention that Jennifer Lopez. This is probably her best role in my opinion, at least. I mean, I haven't you know seen wait like too many movies with Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, she used to do a lot of you know romantic comedies and stuff like that when we when I was like younger. So she's kind of like not acted as much lately, <clears throat> but in this film. I think you can make an argument that she could win a Oscar for I don't know if if she was the main actress in it. I I would say Constance Wu was was probably the main actress, so I guess maybe the best definitely. supporting actress. Yeah. I think she can definitely win. I probably would say she could win. I I would have to see who she who she'd be up against, but Jennifer Lopez for sure should be in that that uh that conversation.
0: Okay, so um I pretty much agree with everything that you said up until like the end there um i was definitely surprised by this movie i actually saw it twice um i liked it more the second time i watched it i really was not expecting what i got like you said i was kind of expecting something more like akin to like a magic mic um than what we ended up getting i don't know what else really to compare this to like the finished product it's
1: it's funny like i saw like a reddit comment and they say it actually makes a lot of sense like they're like they're uh they said hustlers was marketed as a typical kevin hart movie but it wasn't that at all <laughs> and i actually agree with that like it was it looked like a stupid movie like yeah I agree. and it's actually a great story
0: yeah the marketing really dropped the ball um i again i was not expecting to laugh as hard as i did um to really connect with some of these characters um um particularly Constance Wu, who plays Dorothy and Jennifer Lopez, who plays Ramona. Um, you know, Lily Reinhardt and Kiki Palmer were good too, but the audience couldn't really they didn't really have enough screen time to really make a lasting impact on the audience like they I feel like they were mostly there for like comedic purposes. Um, however, they did you know perfectly fine in the roles. I think most of the praise, um, in my opinion, um lands on Constance Wu, Jennifer Lopez and um Lorraine Scafaria um if that's I'm not sure how you pronounce it but that is the director and in my opinion this is probably one of the most well directed films of the year that I've seen so far um up there I 100% agree. up there with um once upon a time in hollywood if I'm being quite honest there were so many little things that were done in this film um, to add to this experience. Yes, that I think just, just on, quite honestly, blew me away, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in spoilers. Um, but I think this film just does a lot of little things right, and these little things yeah. build into big moments.
1: Um, like I, I was kind of like like talking about the movie with the person that I saw it with, um, and uh, I, I like. Okay, I don't want to like get it like it's not really a spoiler, but like the climax of the movie isn't anything spectacular, at least in my eyes. But like going back to what you said, like how they did so many little things right, that's what I can like extreme. Like I have such an appreciation for that when with how the movie was was made. You know what I mean? Like the editing, the cinematography, all that stuff was was spot on. Like just it captured you. And, and like lured you in you know what i mean mm-hmm, yeah and I, that's what i love like when movies do that and this movie is one of those that does that extremely well so like props to the director man like she killed it
0: yeah um i think uh, we gotta talk about spoilers now because yeah yeah, some yeah let's get into I spoilers in spoilers but to wrap up the spoiler free section um if you guys are just listening to the spoiler free section i 100 percent recommend this film and if I'm being quite honest, I can probably see this finishing in my top 10 favorite of the year. That's how much I liked it.
1: Yeah, it, I, it would probably finish in my top 10 of the year, too. It, it's actually extremely well done. If, you, if you're if you a fan of JLo, lo 100% go watch it. If Even if you're not a fan of J-Lo, 100% go watch it. It's, it's a really great story, and J-Lo acts her ass off in this movie. Like, acts her ass off in this movie. So, with that being said... Let's talk about some spoilers.
0: Okay. So the main thing that um I thought of when I brought up, you know, uh, Lorraine's – I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I'm going to say Lorraine. Scafaria. Oh, yeah. Well, the main thing I, I wanted to bring up was that scene – well, there were multiple scenes that really stuck out to me of her directorial choices. Um, One of the biggest ones was The Sting. Scene when um, Dorothy, which is Constance Wu and Ramona, who is Jennifer Lopez, meet with Don.
1: Oh, yes. I at love this the, scene.
0: Um, you know, Apartment. Yeah, once like, the police already catches wind of what these women are doing. Um, and they basically arrest Don and they start interrogating her and she rats out, you know, Dorothy and Ramona. Um, and they wire her. And they basically set up this situation, you know, for proof. And as soon as this thing this thing starts, like when the scene begins, the audio is made to sound um, as if someone were listening on a wire,
1: like on a playback recording. Yeah, like on a much. playback
0: recording, it does. You can tell. There's obviously like a noticeable difference in the audio.
1: It's it's that scene is so well done, especially when it comes to like 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 I think when she was like moving around a little bit. You know how like if you have like a, a playback recording, you like you like moving along your shirt or something like that you can like hear like a scruffiness you know what i mean like yeah i don't even know how to explain it like they do that like when she's like moving and when she's putting like a cup down you know what i mean and i was like bro like like it's little things like that that i was like i can i love this i actually love this yeah
0: um another scene was um a little bit earlier in the film when dorothy is being um is being interviewed by the journalist played by julia siles i think her name is uh, elizabeth And she asks Dorothy a question about Ramona and Dorothy leans forward and turns off the tape recording and the audio cuts out.
1: Yes. I love that. The
0: audio of the film cuts out, um, which the second time around that I watched it, a lot of people in the theater were actually kind of surprised by it. Like they thought the audio, like of the film cut out itself, like there was a problem, which was pretty annoying because people were like talking and making noise and stuff. But, um, Basically, the audio cuts out until Elizabeth is escorted out of Dorothy's house, and she leaves.
1: Um. Yeah, I love I love that scene too. It's it's just like another. It's just goes back to what we were saying. It's when you do the little things right, the bigger picture. It it shows
0: how much uh, Lorraine really cared about this film, um, and it's just those little creative choices that really drive home how much power a director has over this film and how a film can really die live or die over its director and how a good director can elevate you know a norm like not a normal film but like an okay movie
1: yeah um another scene that is like kind of similar to how like to those scenes um you may not have picked up i mean you probably picked up on it but the average person may not have picked up on it um was when, um, I, I believe it was Constance uh, Constance, uh, Dorothy, Constance Wu's character in the movie was talking to like some, uh, he had a name in the movie. I forgot his name, but he was just like some regular customer or whatever that she was trying to, you know, make money off of. And he like, Steven. he was like, talk. was it like the guy that was like rich at the end, yeah, like on the phone Steven. and yeah, him. So when they were talking for the first time in the movie, she, uh, I forget what he says. I don't remember the exact details but he said something and then like they make like a chick-ching like noise like oh, noise yeah. in the movie yeah, and i'm like it's so. like that was like like and her eyes like light up you know what i mean and i was like bro like that's so like it's little things like that that just i love like editing like that like it, it's so well done
0: exactly and one of the films that i want to talk about to highlight the other side of this is suicide squad um where they went a little too overboard with all like the audio cues and especially the music cuz there's a lot of music in this movie, and not once did I think, "Damn, there's a lot of music in this movie." Like in a bad yes. way, um, you know. The music always fit the scene and never felt out of place, um, like it did with Suicide Squad, where like literally every scene changed. There's like an Eminem song new playing new in the tra- background, yeah, the the <laughs> disco or some shit like that.
1: Yeah, the M&M thing, like, in Suicide Squad, like, that's that just took me out of the movie completely. I was like, wait. I mean, the movie, I was pretty much taken out of the entire movie, yeah. but that was a scene that I was like, what? Like, why are we even adding this track? Like, this, it doesn't even, like, fit the story, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like
0: and, like, I don't know if you noticed, but all the music in this film, because this movie takes place over several years, all the music in this movie changes according to the year that it's in.
1: Yes, and I love that they did that, because... um. Okay, so like for those of you that are listening that haven't seen the movie and and obviously you don't care about spoilers, um, uh, the movie pretty much starts off in two thousand seven. They, uh, this is before the, um, oh my god, this is uh, like this is like when before the recession, uh, the economic recession, the recession, bro. Oh my god, i like it was like that tip of my tongue. I'm like, what word am I looking for? I know the word. Oh, uh, this is before the. <laughs> Oh my God! The uh, this is like right before the recession, so like these strippers are making like a ton of money by just doing what they do, stripping and, and 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 capturing these guys like souls. Like obviously not exactly like that, but you know what I mean. And um, so whatever. And then the movie takes like goes into like 2008, 2009, 2010, and the recession's happening. The strippers are not making any money because like the Wall Street guys aren't coming in anymore. And um, so to make money in the Jennifer Lopez's character and, and Constance Wu's and everybody else that's pretty much in this movie they form like a little team and they try to get these guys with money to they pretty much like try to drug them uh, like swipe their cards steal their money and that's pretty much it I mean there's more to it obviously but uh, that's pretty much what they're like they're kind of like modern I don't want to say Robin Hood like, a lot of people have been saying Robin yeah, Hood, yeah, but, like... definitely
0: not Robin, definitely not like Robin Hood. Because these people, like, take for themselves. At least Robin Hood... Yeah, they're taking it for
1: themselves. Them the not, it's not like... Yeah, exactly. They're not giving it to the poor. They're just giving it to themselves. So, I've seen a lot of people compare it to Robin Hood, though. And I'm like, not at all. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, it's, it's a similar concept, but no. Um, so, yeah, like, they're pretty much, like, getting... Like, stealing money. That's, that's pretty much what it is at the end of the day. They're stealing money. Yeah. And um, the story is just, like, really well done, man. Like, and it's... uh. It's just – I don't know. There's just a lot to it that, like, the years that, like, they – like, they go into, like, 2010 or whatever, right? And then, like, like in the background of Under the Scenes, you see, like, Keeping Up with the Kardashians on TV.
0: Yeah.
1: And – which was, like, a super popular show at the time. And, I mean, I, I, I don't even know if that show is still on TV. I don't care to know if it is. um. But but then it, it's not just showing some regular episodes, like – show or whatever. It's showing, like – an episode that probably came out around that time. Cause you see like Kim Kardashian and she does not look the same at all from what she looked like 10 years ago. Yeah, you know what I it mean? It does
0: a great job. Like, like putting you in, in the, the in this, like, moment. Yeah. In this time frame. Um, another thing that really stood out to me throughout this film was I was really impressed with the cinematography and a lot of the camera movements. Um, I know there's one really great scene when the girls, there's like a big montage of the girls stealing from these men and there's one like shot in particular, um, that's probably my f- one of my favorites in the movie. It's pretty simple, but I feel like a lesser—I don't want to say a lesser director, but really, that's what it is. That maybe like a lesser director or a a, a lesser like visionary would have wouldn't have done, is that there's like a camera that's pointing like toward like it's placed behind the Cadillac that they drive, the big Escalade, and the girls are escorting one um, male out of the bar and into their car and the camera's moving like f- from right to left and as it pans towards the left another male is coming out of the other side of the car and into their club. You know what you know I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know exactly. I, I, I kind of want to go off of that so, but keep going. So
0: there's little camera movements like that. There's also a lot of long takes in this movie that I think do a great job of showing you the state of mind that Dorothy's character is in, um, especially that one scene where she's dropping off her kid at school.
1: Yes, that is exactly what I was about to, um, to say. That it, with like the, the whole camera work of this movie yeah, is amazing.
0: It, it basically it starts with Dorothy at her house looking for her child, and the camera is handheld. Um, it's basically like, you know, showing the franticness of Dorothy and not knowing where Lily is and going, which is her daughter, and just coming off of the stress of having to take this customer who was drugged too much to the hospital she still has blood on her shirt um picking up her and child and she's wearing
1: and she's wearing like a like a super like skimpy a, outfit like yeah yeah exactly so then she picks and up her
0: child takes her to work and you could just feel the judgment off of you know the other mothers at the school staring at dorothy and and her this child um and the embarrassment that dorothy or even just the negligence like of it um, of Dorothy, yeah. like you know, and as she drops off this child from from work, and it's all—it's not all one one long take, but the scene is like two long takes sandwiched together by some cuts.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I—that's like that's another scene that's like one of my favorites. Like it's 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 super well done, man. Like the the cinematography and just the camera work and the little edits in this movie, just they just drive home. You know, yeah. they, they they do they do a really good job.
0: Also, another thing I want to talk about of like putting you into this world. Uh, one thing I was worried about was actually Cardi B's involvement in this movie. Not because of Cardi B herself, but because I think uh, that a lot of the times when these movies try to use like big superstars that aren't actors in these movies, um, like who are not primarily actors, come off as like really corny and really distracting. Like Ronda Rousey in the last uh, Fast and Furious movie. She's a terrible actress. She had no place to be in that movie, but she was a big name at the time. I thought that this was what they were going for with Cardi B because, you know, she was a stripper um, and the movie's about strippers. But I think Cardi B was actually used incredibly well. She's only in this movie for maybe like five minutes of screen time. And she does a good job of, you know, showing Dorothy, you know, what it is to be a stripper like and, you know, how to make money. Off of these to, men that come in there, you know, like you know, yeah, without doing move, all the illegal. How to shit. look at them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah,
1: Cardi B actually like does a good job with that part. I I I, I wasn't like a fan of her like acting in the movie. Like she, didn't, it wasn't.
0: I didn't mind it. I didn't it, mind it. It, wasn't it just the thing about
1: Cardi B being in the movie is that it takes me out of the movie because I know it's Cardi B.
0: Yeah, like it doesn't. And I don't. I don't like that. I don't know. For me, it never really bothered me because I think she does a great job of selling the fact that this is a world of strippers and i think she does a great job of saying that i was honestly probably more distracted by lizzo who i think was again i can't i don't know if this is for certain but i think was just picked because she is a very popular name at the moment um i felt like cardi b felt more organic than lizzo did even though Lizzo yeah uh, cardi b
1: yeah cardi b comes from that background too that's that's why i can like kind of appreciate that you know what i mean like so like cardi b um as a person – like, like not in the movie. Like, in real life, she she comes – like, she was a stripper uh, a couple of years ago before she got into music and became this big uh celebrity. So, I can appreciate them bringing her on. Just, you know, her throwing into – like, getting thrown into the movie. It just takes you out of it. But, okay, the reason why I like what they did with her is that they're – they, honestly she was mostly used for marketing for the movie let's be real yeah I could, like that's yeah. that's why they brought her in but the way she's used was extremely well done because this is something that she knows like the whole stripping aspect of of you know like the art of stripping and she kind of goes into that into the movie and um so i can appreciate what she did um uh, but i am happy that she wasn't like a main character i'm happy that she really didn't have a long uh screen time in the movie too because at that point you're just like like this is you're trying to force someone to put on a performance that they can't do like she's not an actress so i'm happy like with what they did with her um so i i i can like i don't like it but i can appreciate it yeah. at the same time
0: um also one thing uh you not remember the scene when like very early on when jennifer lopez is like on the roof in the fur coat she's smoking a cigarette
1: Yes that's that's she that's such yeah. a dope um, photo or like like a, that shot of her is just like inc- that's, incredible that
0: scene reminded me a lot of uh, Brad Pitt on the roof in once upon a time in Hollywood. I don't yes. know why I guess like it's these amazing looking you know old actors in their fifties, you know just kind of showing how badass and cool they are. I don't know, I just kind of made that connection um and I really want to talk about my favorite scene in the movie what's your oh, baby?
1: oh my god <laughs> bro okay, I so fucking love, I that love that scene I love that scene so much that, that scene is incredible because they pretty much go like and it's just part of the movie if you haven't seen it like where they're pretty much like oh my god Usher's coming to the to the strip club like oh my god like everyone get ready Usher's coming and I'm like in my head like I'm like are they yeah, actually gonna me put too. Usher in I was this like, movie? No like, way. is he gonna Usher's actually in be trip? in this <laughs> yeah i was like i don't I, I just don't see usher like agreeing to this i don't know maybe like I, I don't know i don't know usher at all obviously but i'm like is usher actually gonna be in this and then the camera like just shows like usher like from him, behind yeah, like just no fucking yeah way. walking in i'm like they there's no way and then, like the, the camera moves and you see usher smiling and i'm and like, then, like Bro, and, and then like love in this club comes
0: on and it's like all in slow motion and he's walking through the club throwing money and i'm like oh my god this like this movie is just really fun when it wants to be like and I think 100%. it's it, they do so yeah, well. Yeah, and I think like that scene was just like the peak of you know like the fun of this movie before you know it started going downhill for for um, you know these women. Um, and one thing I, I think this movie does really well is handling its themes. Um, basically, like the whole like men are trash angle was definitely there. Um, however um it was more of like these certain types of men are trash which i can get behind um and also does a great job of showcasing of balancing the men are trash with hey men are trash but these women are not good people you get me like i think it plays that line um a little i think it plays it you know well enough um and i think uh like towards the end of the movie it also does a great job of raising questions uh, about toxic masculinity and how you know some of these men were too. like these women got away with it because these men were scared to speak up because they didn't want to sound you know they they didn't want to get like laughed at by you know other men because you know they were being taken advantage of by women so i i I think you know some of these like messages and themes i think the movie handles very well. Um, there are—it's not a perfect movie. Um, Kiki Palmer's and Lily Reinhardt's characters s- didn't seem incredibly necessary. Like, like they definitely took a backseat to Dorothy and Ramona. Like, you could tell this was a film about the friendship between Dorothy and Ramona, um, and the other, you know, strippers who were part of this group. You know, kind of took a backseat to them. Um, I also think it leaves a lot of questions unanswered um that they kind of hint at like in the beginning i I mean at the end like we don't really know who ramona was before the events of this movie but at the end of the movie she's like oh i wish we had known her i wish i had known dorothy when i was younger maybe we wouldn't maybe things wouldn't have turned out like this but we don't know who ramona was prior to these events we just know that you know she was a stripper who made a lot of money you get me? Yeah. We also don't know... At the end of the movie in 2011, we can tell that Dorothy looks well off. You know, her house, you know, it's very pristine, very white. She's wearing a nice, you know, uh, suit. But we don't know what Dorothy did, you know, after the events of this movie to, to get to that. where she is because she looked more well off than she did when she was, you know, a stripper making all this money illegally. You get me? So, like, yes. I feel like there are, like, a little things that things that were left unanswered um especially about the characters that kind of left me a little unhappy um i think the movie could have been about like five minutes longer because the film is pretty short it's like an hour and like 40 minutes
1: 45 it been maybe, m- yeah. maybe like slightly um,
0: longer just you know to really explain who ramona was but, I mean, I can understand why the movie didn't go for that, however, I still have to hold that against it,
1: yeah um one thing that I like about the movie is that um jlo or Ramona uh when they pretty much get caught, they're in jail it shows ramona um them putting her in the uh like they start um What's it called, bro? Oh my god, it's another big word for me, Stephen. I need the help. When they, when they start like interviewing, not interviewing her, like um um, like asking her questions, the police. Okay. What what do you call that? What do you call that? Like when they uh, no, not it's not questioning though. There's like a name for it. Whatever, bro. The police start questioning her, like in in all that stuff, like in the, in that little room, like they're like doing like the good cop bad cop routine kind of thing, and um, <laughs> but like okay. The, <laughs> the, the uh, No, but what I like about that scene, though, is that, like, it just shows Ramona, like, take her cell phone out, and she starts, like, texting and all that stuff, and they're like, bro, how did she get her cell phone? Like, like who gave her her cell phone? And, like, what that scene kind of does, it, it pretty much, like, I, I, f- I mean, this is just me. Like, I feel like it, it connects to the, how the movie ends is that Ramona is really good, and you see it through the entire movie, but she's really good at talking her way out of or, like, talking her way into situations and, and getting what she wants. So, at the end of the movie, this is a huge spoiler for how the movie ends. So, if you're listening to this far ahead, you know that you don't care. Um, uh, Ramona pretty much only gets, like, five-year probation. Like, she doesn't even... I don't think she gets any yeah, jail time didn't. at all. The only ones so, who got jail
0: time were um, Kiki Palmer's character and Lily Reinhardt's character, who had, like, weekends in jail and, like, five years probation.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. So, like, nothing crazy. Um, but Ramona just got five years probation and i feel like that kind of goes with you know her being able to talk her way out of situations so it's it keeps with that theme of like you know her being able to do all that so i can like i i, I can like appreciate that <laughs> like even though this is based on a true story so like i don't know it, that was just like a cool little thing too you mm-hmm. know what i mean like the movie does a lot of uh co- like small things that that just make you enjoy it yeah. that much more
0: so i think we're going a little long here so i think i'm going to I'm gonna call it an episode. Yeah, I right mean, here. like we we'll call I, it here. I mean, I pretty much said everything I wanted to I, say. Well,
1: well, okay. So real quick, like I I kind of want to like keep this a theme. Like, what would you rate it at um, out of five? Um,
0: I think I gave this a four out of five on Letterboxd.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure I gave it a four out of five. Too, and I'm pretty so, happy with that. Uh, I, I agree with that. I
0: really enjoyed the movie. Again, I can definitely see this finishing um in my top ten of the year. Um, I mean, I still have a there's still a lot of movies that I'm looking forward to, like JoJo Rabbit peanut butter falcon um joker. joker um but as of right now this is definitely in my top 10 so we'll see if it stays there
1: yeah it's a great film so 100 percent recommend go seeing this movie um with that all being said thank you guys for listening to our podcast i'm john kegg and i'm here with steven wait thank what the guys. fuck how why are you I'm doing the outro <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something I was waiting for it I was like as I started doing I was like he's gonna get so mad I
0: just noticed it I was like wait a second oh, this doesn't feel right
1: <laughs> alright bye. bye guys thank you
0: it's funny because I edit these <laughs> did you actually stop yours
1: alright go no I didn't
0: okay well stay tuned because next week we're gonna be reviewing Ad Astra um, we're gonna to try to have this podcast well, well the Ad Astra podcast out a little bit earlier um, you know to kind of make up for this one coming out. so we'll have
1: two episodes yeah we'll have two episodes that come out within a week's probably less probably. than that probably like so. in a few days
0: hopefully I- i'm also going yeah, to try to watch peanut days. butter falcon on saturday so
1: i might be about that let me know no, you're actually wait, saturday i'm super busy wow <laughs>
0: so we'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about that next week too so all right, all right. um thanks for listening guys stay tuned